The opinions of Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman don't reflect the views of Gal Media. Parental discretion is advised. KFNC Mont Bellevue, Houston, a Gal Media station. He's the air traffic controller at the line of scrimmage. Going to hand it off. Taylor has a first down, has a touchdown. Under pressure, Watson. Going down, lost the football. It's on the turf. Who's got it? Colts say they do. Rivers. End zone. Touchdown. Pascal. Second and nine from his own 49. Watson put it up, brought it down, and he goes down. Under pressure again, and Deshaun Watson goes down at about the 36-yard line. Watson with time, throwing this time wide open. He's got his man, the 10, the 5, touchdown, Chad Hansen. Watson with the pass, touchdown. Kiki QT. What a nice little fake. Rivers to this side, and looking for the end zone is Zach Pascal, and he's ruled in for the touchdown. Watson. Dancing to the outside and tripped up and goes down. Over the middle. Caught inside the five. Ball is loose into the end zone. Who covered it? It's going to be a touchback. I think that was Okariki who got it. Kiki QT looked like he had a touchdown. Uh, I mean, it's, it's tough, but I'm not, I'm not going to lose my faith. I'm not going to lose my spirits and in this organization and what we can do. Um, my confidence and my level of play and, and leadership is going to continue to grow and, you know, just charge it to the game. It, it's part of life. It's part of the career and, and nothing, nobody wants this to happen, but, um, you know, you just got to go through tough times before you get to the brighter ones. He's a baller for sure. Uh, the way he plays, like I said, he keeps us in the game and uh, it's just, you know, I feel bad for him because I can tell that, you know, it hurts for me, but I can tell it hurts him uh, a lot. Just the way that, you know, we've been losing. And sometimes I feel like I need to do more to help him out. Sports, 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 sports. So they just sit there and talk about sports? Well, your Texans lost twice yesterday. Can you believe that? And we've got a very special fill-in. Let's do it. It's a Monday on the Blitz. Diabolical. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, this is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And The Blitz is on for a Monday. Welcome to the greatest show in the history of the known universe. With me, Fred Fowler, the Falcon. Patrick Creighton filling in today for A.J. Hoffman. Aaron Rabel, the Voldemort. Do you want to get in? 713 780 ESPN's your number, 713-780-3776. Or you can get us on the Blitz Facebook page. Find the Blitz. Click like. Send a message. Aaron will read it. There's Twitter, at Fred Fowler, F-A-O-U-R. Is it P-Crate 1? P-Crate 1. All right. Uh, and at Aaron is Blitz. Add Degenerates 975. You can text the show. You know the number for that. You can watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 975. And it is a... Uh, Monday, after Patrick's beloved Texans take it on the chin again. <laughs> they took it on the chin in the afternoon when the Jets beat the Rams. Because now, guess who's in the lead for Trevor Lawrence? The Jacksonville Jaguars. 
And uh, that's my column that I actually will be posted at some point today or tomorrow. But that that loss is bigger because not only are the Jags going to get Trevor Lawrence, you're going to have to face him twice a year, but that GM job looks a hell of a lot better than the Texans job now. Well, right up until Jacksonville screws it up by winning another game. Well, that that could happen. <laughs> that, that's that's my thing about the Jaguars. I could see them doing that and uh, and blowing the whole thing. But uh, right now, if you uh, if you are a GM and those are the two jobs available, one team's about to get you know a generational talent at quarterback. One team has uh, draft picks, cap room. How fast do you think you can turn that around versus this mess that Bill O'Brien left us that we saw again yesterday? It's funny because I guess there's two ways of looking at this, right? One is if you take the Texans job, you have your super world talent quarterback. You've got very little plus talent anywhere else. right? But you also have an owner that has shown he really doesn't know what the hell he's doing with football. And he will let whoever the GM is do whatever they want as far as constructing this team. So if you want full authority and full autonomy on how to build a team the way you want it, the Texans' job is great. If you like the end of, hey, you know, we could have the number one pick. We could have the next greatest thing at quarterback. Uh, You know, we've got a bunch of picks. Maybe we'll even have some money. Uh, The Jags' job looks really good right up until you realize Shad Khan is the owner. And there's a guy that seems to have like to meddle in and out of, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that. Okay, no, I don't want to do this. He, he seems to have very, uh, like, a tepid approach to everything. He wants to do this, but he's only lukewarm. And then, okay, now you know what? Never mind, I changed my mind on that. You guys are fired. Okay, I want to do this. You were all in, uh, you know, I changed my mind on that. You guys are fired. So I, I really question how much authority a GM is going to have uh, in that organization. I know in the Texans organization, man, I have the keys to the car because nobody else knows how to drive. Unless Jesus Easterby's still there. He could always get run over by a car. Are you going to run the guy over? Uh, you know, what listen, do you, what do you, things what do you, happen. What do you got against my guy, Khan? Are you racist? Do you not like non-white owners? Is that it? You know, it's, it's, <laughs> but he's like the one. He's the one guy who's, who's not white. He just doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Well, he does meddle a lot, but. I also think he's 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 patient with people, maybe too patient. And you know, I, I don't know if Doug Marone should still have a job now. I don't know that that Gus Bradley should have been gone a long time ago before they got rid of him. So there is that, and he put up with a lot from Tom Coughlin. So you probably have job security. You will have to deal with a meddling owner, and, and he doesn't <clears throat> he doesn't know as much as he thinks he does. But by the same token, I mean, I. I the, the only thing to me that makes a Texans job more appealing is if you have doubts about Trevor Lawrence, you know you got your quarterback here. And, and once again yesterday, he showed you he can be your quarterback because he doesn't have a hell of a lot around him right now. And I'll go back to, you know, it, it just, what a goofy way to lose a game again. I mean, how, how does that happen twice in a season? Because of the Texans. I mean, that is on brand for me, for the Texans. And to Deshaun's credit, He's basically throwing to Kiki QT, to Chad Hansen, to David Johnson, and racking up 370 yards. And no matter how many times the guy gets hit, he keeps getting back up. 
I always wonder about you know, like what is going to be all right. What's going to be the hit where he doesn't get up? Growing up in New York as a Giants fan, you know, we always had this. All right, which hit is Phil Simms not getting up from? And in and basically every year until 1984. So from 1979 to 1984, Phil Simms took a hit that ultimately cost him games. It wasn't until 84 he finally was able to stay healthy. Deshaun, outside of the, you know, the knee tear, which I don't know that was a hit so much as just bad luck, he has shown this incredible ability to keep getting up. There was a game a couple of years ago, I think against the Ravens, where he got absolutely bulldozed by a guy with a full head of steam, no one in front of him, ran Deshaun over, Deshaun pops up, and on the next play, Deshaun has like a 40-yard touchdown run. He's unbelievable with his ability to just keep getting up after hits. You have to be to play behind that offensive line. But at the same time, I feel good knowing, man, my quarterback's made out of rubber. Every time that guy gets crushed, he just pops up and then, you know, throws a strike. No big deal. Like It doesn't affect Deshaun at all, no matter how many times he gets hit. That's a hell of a quality in a quarterback. He doesn't get rattled. That game against Dallas where he got the crap beat out of him and had to take a bus to Jacksonville for the next game. But a punctured lung, yeah, broke ribs. Yeah. yeah. I mean that he's he's a tough dude, but you know, you also I mean he, he he's kind of his own worst enemy sometimes. He does hold the ball too long. He does try to extend plays too much sometimes and and take some hits. But he keeps getting up. I, I, I would not play him the last two weeks because I don't want him to take that hit where he doesn't get up. But I, I do think that uh, you do have you have the makings of something with him. And I, I, I had a few things that I, I wrote about t- yesterday after the game, and I kind of want to – the reasons to keep watching the Texans. And I, I, had, I came up with five. You did. I saw it. I read it. Yeah. And you should read it too on sportsmap.com. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious which of these you actually would watch the game for. Okay. So let's let's start with this. The number one was let's see if Whitney Merciless can continue being invisible. <laughs> one tackle, one tackle in three games, and I I didn't even see it yesterday. I, I missed it somehow. He must have fallen on a pile or something. Uh, the only thing I really remember from Whitney Merciless was him flailing away at uh, Taylor on a sweep and missing him by a good two feet, and the uh, the guy went for like a five or seven yard gain before somebody stopped him in the secondary. What the hell has happened to this clown? Man, Whitney is a great dude. Just personally, he's a great dude. Very friendly, uh, very polite, gives back to the community, does a lot of charity work, uh, looks great in one of those uh, you know dry-fit shirts because he's chiseled like a Greek god. He can't play football anymore. He doesn't, he, he's awful against the run. He doesn't rush. He, I think he has usually two to three games a year where he'll rush the passer well, get like two sacks in each of those games, and then the rest of the year he's on a milk carton. And this has been him like three years in a row now. He is what he is. And, of course, you know, I guess he practices really well on Wednesdays, so he's got a big contract and be hard to move him. But he's – is he even a situational pass rusher at this point? Because is he even getting home? Your only hope with him is that a new coaching staff can figure out what his problem is, other than maybe he just got paid and doesn't care. Because there are a lot of plays where he, I, I saw more than one flail yesterday. It's like, eh, I'm not going to tackle this guy. 
And I, I just wonder, and you're right, he's a great dude. He's uh, good in the community, but he is not good on the field. And if you can find somebody to, to take his contract, I, I would I would throw a small child into the deal just to make it happen. Just, I like the drinking game attached with Whitney Merciless. <laughs> yeah, so every quarter he goes without a sack, you take a shot. That's, uh, that's for the next two games. You guys are, are welcome to try that. And and we'll see what uh, we'll see how that turns out for you. I'm guessing you're going to get at least three per game. <laughs> at least. All right. We are going to take a quick break. We'll go through the other ones when we come back. There's a lot of other stuff to get to. We're going to get to James Harden at some point. We're going to get to all the NFL today. We got odds for every college football game. We just got a fun show. Very happy to have Patrick Creighton here because uh, Patrick knows his stuff. And you can hear him also on Late Hits with Jason Braddock, who also knows his stuff. And I'll be curious to, to hear some of Jason's thoughts. Uh, now that uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville, apparently. Uh, so I'll be listening on the way home. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. It's a Blitz on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. You're listening to the Blitz. ESPN 97.5. You are listening to The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we are back on The Blitz. 713-780-ESPN if you want to get in. And don't worry, we'll get into college football. I know uh, Aggie fan is angry, but I think he might be angry at the wrong team. We'll, we'll talk about that. that. That's kind of a tease ahead to later in the show. But, uh, Foreshadowing. Well, yeah, that's what that's what we do. So, uh, okay, we were talking about the, the five things. Here's one that I'm, I'm really curious about your, your thoughts on. Um. To me, Brandon Cooks is playing for his job over the next two weeks because he's a $12 million cap hit next year, which is not obscene, but you, you figure that uh, Fumbles, Kiki, and, and Hanson have probably earned jobs as your fourth and fifth guys. Randall Cobb's back. Uh, you're, you're, you could, if you're going to pay Will Fuller, I don't think you can pay Brandon Cooks. There's also some better free agents out there than both those guys that I think you would have to pay. So, to me, if you're going to bring back Will Fuller, you're probably not bringing back Brandon Cooks. Your thoughts? Well, you know, was it a couple of weeks ago we saw Brandon Cooks uh, get his head slammed on the turf in a play that I think was absolute horse poo where a uh, defender takes the ball from him while he's on the ground and somehow it gets ruled an interception. It goes against multiple rules in the rule book. Catch you're, made, you're tackle. Mad about that. Well, here's what I'm. This is kind of. <laughs> I, I know I'm you going. went on a Twitter rant. I was kind of like, oh, okay, I didn't see enough to overturn it, but Patrick's angry. <laughs> here's where I'm going with that. We saw Brandon Cooks lay there, kind of prone, in, in a manner that would make you think he may have had another concussion. The Texans put him into the tent, then put him in the back. Uh, came out after the game and said, "No, no, he didn't have a concussion. Uh, he's okay." And then instantly, it's all right. He's got a neck injury. And he's got a shoulder injury. Neck and shoulder injuries don't make you lay there like. Yeah. Can't, yeah they don't do that. Yesterday, in, in a game where 
he should have been the number one receiver for the Texans. He was nowhere near the number one receiver for the Texans. And how much of that was the game plan? How much of that is the after effects of this injury? But I tell you, I don't think Brandon Cooks is back next year. Okay. Okay. That's a fair, fair question. Um, how about enjoying J.J. Watt's last two games as a Texan? Well, you might enjoy him. J.J. certainly not enjoying no. him. <laughs> no, but, you know, it, it's like the, the one thing is the guy's been the best player in the history of the Texans, maybe in the history of the city. I mean, there's some guys you can make a case for from the Oilers days. But at, at this point, the new GM has got to do him a solid and trade him somewhere, maybe Jacksonville, uh, trade, him some, <laughs> trade him somewhere where he has a chance to win. And because this is going to be more than a one-year deal, and I don't think he has more than a year or two tops. And I, I think by year two, they can be contenders, but I don't know about Super Bowl contenders. I think there's just so much that has to be done with this roster. And, I, I mean, I, I think you can turn them into a 9-7 and seven playoff team next year with the right moves. It's going to be hard. It's going to have to be the, a really sharp dude who's probably going to take the Jacksonville job instead. <laughs> but I, at least we get to watch the guy for two more times. You're just going to needle that all day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's going to be – we're going to call back to that a few times today, I can promise you. You know, look, they blew it. They should have traded J.J. at the deadline. You probably could have gotten – you might have been able to get a late one, a, a definitely get a two. Uh, you tell me you couldn't find somebody that wanted J.J. Watt. I was hoping that somehow the Steelers were going to pull off that deal after they went and made the deal for Minka Fitzpatrick last year. Right. You know what? Here's a team that's ready to go all in on their defense, put all the Watt boys together. Like, how great would that be? 99 on one side, 90 on the other side. All right, who are we blocking? Well, we might not be blocking either one of them, but who are we blocking? That would have been fun. That would have made the Steelers a lot more fun to watch. It would have made that the playoff run, whatever they do, a lot more fun to watch. And the Texans could have gotten some draft capital. They'd also gotten a little cap relief. Uh, that, that's that's you know $6 million for this year. They could have rolled into next year, plus taking that $17.5 million off the books for next year. You know you can't pay J.J. $18 million next year. No. You can't. So he's not going to be here. I don't know what kind of market you have for him. There'll be more teams involved, but I can't see anybody giving up a one for him. Uh, whoever is going to get him is probably going to tear up his contract and give him a new deal, right. give him some guaranteed money a couple of years and, and stretch him out and make him happy in that way. But with every passing week, man, J.J. just gets more and more ticked off. Yeah, that- you can tell. You can tell. He's, 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 he doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to – I mean, and, and I don't – I've seen him for the first time, like not pursue plays. Like if it's on the other side of the field in the old days, he would be chasing it. Even if he was out of the play, I've seen a lot where he, I don't want to call him quitting on the play. He got a little ZFG in him. Yeah. Yeah. If if it's, if it's around him, he's all over it, which is very much what, you know, that was a criticism of Jadeveon Clowney. That wasn't fair. If the plays around him, he's chasing it. But um, otherwise I'm seeing, uh, and I don't blame him. But this will be the last two times we see him in a Texas uniform, right? I believe so. I don't think there's any way J.J.'s back uh, after this year. and It's really to his detriment if he is still here. He deserves a chance to go and, and play on a team that's got a shot. And the Texans probably owe it to him to make that happen. All right, number four was, uh, you know, watch the players. Boy, this uh, App State game, they're, they're just running all over poor. Uh, is that like 12 seconds to go in the game? 
Did they That's just 12 back- seconds to go in the third? Oh, gee. I was about to say, otherwise, they just backdoor. They have this another thing. 15 minutes of pain and suffering for North oh, Texas. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, I think the number was 21 and a half that I saw. And right now they're up 21. And it looked like they were about, they did score on the last play or came close. So, anyway, um, it was talking about players who will be back next year to see them on the field. Like these are basically exhibition games. I'm, I'm on the, the Watson should sit thing. But if he, Finishes up, he's going to have 4,000 yards, 30 TDs, under 10 turnovers, eight 300-yard passing games he's with two more to go. Maybe he's going to get another one. When you look at it on the surface, that's going to be a hell of a season. Deshaun, I mean, think about what Deshaun has put up with this year. The offensive line hideously regressed. And that includes Titus Howard, who's now in the concussion protocol and for all intents and purposes, should not play another down this year. Dealing with the concussion, there's no reason to even try to get him back for, what, two games? Just let him be. Let him get healthy. Let him get ready for next year. Uh, Sharping regressed. Nick Martin is terrible. And the rotating door that they've had with Fulton and Kelamete, neither one of those guys need to be here. And, you know, usually when you see a quarterback, they got to try to find a way to avoid the rush. The first thing a quarterback wants to do is step up in the pocket. And Watson has a really hard time stepping up in the pocket because that's where the pressure is coming from because the three guys in the middle can't block you, me, and Aaron. Yeah, I think they need uh, – uh, well, for one thing, I think a new offensive line coach will make a difference. But Sharping has been invisible this year, and he's supposed to be – he was a second-round pick, supposed to be part of your future. Uh, so maybe somebody comes in and can fix that guy. Nick Martin should be gone. You might have to keep – Fulton simply because you're going to need another center and he can play center. He's better at center. Uh, so put him there and get rid of get rid of Martin and save $6 million. He's part of my cut list to get the, the salary cap down. Won't miss him. And, uh, and you're still going to have to go find somebody. But uh, on defense, right now with, with Reed out and Roby out, like the only guys worth watching to me are Cunningham, Adams, and maybe Aminahu. Maybe. You've got three more guys in there than I do. I got to tell you, I am so checked out on this team. The only thing that I honestly care about is Deshaun leaves each game walking under his own power. That is it. I don't honestly give zero bleeps about anything else with this team right now. If Deshaun leaves the game walking out under his own power uninjured, the Texans have won. Anything else is epic disaster. The the last one is just... Yeah, you know what? I know David Johnson had a bunch of catches yesterday, but enough of this. You know what? Just seeing him on the field, all it does is remind people that they traded DeAndre Hopkins for him. He's gone. He's gone next year. There's no way you're keeping this clown. Not at that price. Let's go ahead and see some Buddy Howell and Scotty Phillips or any other guy that homeless guy who's driving a truck right now. You know, every year in free agency, there's always a handful of running backs that get signed for minimal dollars, and have good seasons. Last year, they made a trade, what, a week before the season that was supposed to be an exchange of unwanted players. And they get Carlos Hyde, and he leads the team in rushing as over 1,000 yards. You can always find a running back. I agree. You don't need to spend $12 million on somebody else's reclamation project. No. David Johnson for the Texans is what Luis Castillo used to be for the Mets. He was the guy who dropped the pop-up against the Yankees. The Yankees win the game, and Yes Network then ran it as a Yankees classic five times a week for nine years. 
He was the scourge of the earth. David Johnson, just looking at him, knowing who he was traded for, he's the scourge of the earth. Gotta go. All right, we are going to take a very quick break. Don't go anywhere. It is the Blitz on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 97.5. This is the Blitz. On ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on the Blitz. A.J. out until next week. Patrick Creighton today. Jermaine Every tomorrow. Jerry Bow on Wednesday. Fred and friends on the Blitz. Pretty much all my favorite drinking buddies. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, uh, my friend Jimmy sent me a text on a break isn't merciless the third highest paid texan this year yes he is he's making the third highest salary on the team but that's just i i got nothing for it (laughs) nothing at all and uh titus howard was left behind with you know in the concussion protocol and i i saw romeo today saying well if you know he's he's cleared we'll we'll play him like no no just stop on him now i that there's no reason to be playing a lot of these guys, but even a moderate concussion, don't even try it. Do you really want to risk these guys against the Bengals? I'll, I'll listen to the argument that, you know what? Colts are playing for a playoff spot. We're going to play hard. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I disagree, but I'll, I'll listen to that because I've seen teams not send their best players out, and it, it's frustrating to watch. But the Bengals game means nothing. Really, these games mean nothing for the Texans. And and the Titans may have their place locked in by week 17. Now's the time, man. Sit them. Don't bring Titus Howard back. Is the most exciting thing for week 17 going to be whether or not Derrick Henry gets 2,000 yards? Probably so. And and that'll be another thing. If the, like They did that last year. They ran him all over the Texans when... Uh, so he could get the rushing title. If I'm the Titans, I'd be real careful about that going into week 17 because, well, first off, he'll probably do it in the first half. It's true. But the last thing you want to do is, and the guy's already, I mean, at some point he's got to wear down. You got to be careful with him too because that's, that's how you're going to, that's going to be the guy who helps you win in the playoffs because you go into a cold weather, outdoor environment, Derrick Henry is, a, is the best weapon to have. And everything in their offense predicates on Henry. I'm I know it's now a year and a half. I can't I can't buy Ryan Tannehill as this top eight quarterback. I don't care what his numbers are. I, I I've I've seen too many games in the last year and a half. And remember the playoffs last year, but they won two games that Tannehill threw for less than hundred yards. Yeah, yeah. You're not a top eight quarterback if you're throwing for ninety two yards and your team is winning. They don't need you. To win, they can pretty much put anybody in there and win. Without Derrick Henry, I think they are absolute dog meat. So I'm gonna if, if they gas Henry uh, by you know running him 29 times against the Texans, so he can try to get to 2,100 yards. Uh, I, I I think that puts them in a very tenuous position the following week uh, if they've got to run him and he's sore, banged up, 
and he's just not as effective playing against a better team because the record was more important than the playoffs. Yeah, and this is where, to me, teams have to be careful, guys like that. And we saw it with the Chiefs losing uh, Edwards Alaire. Uh, I mean, that that's a big loss for them going into the playoffs. I mean, they're still better than everybody else, but that's a you know that takes a weapon away from them. We're going to see what Le'Veon Bell's got. Yeah. Because he never really got a shot with the Jets. Gase didn't want him, and he was signed before Gase became the head coach. And Gase literally tried to sandbag him. He's going to get a shot to be the every down back in the most explosive offense in the NFL. This is his time to shine and be like, look, I'm still the guy that I was, or he's going to get exposed as I took a year off and then I played in a crappy organization for a year and a half. And now I'm I'm 60% of what I was. Yeah. Now, now I'm nobody. Now I'm Antonio Brown. Hey, got a touchdown. touchdown. So did uh, Des Bryant. Dude, I was so happy for Des. Yeah. I was really happy for Des. For, for everything he's had to overcome, I, I thought the Cowboys did him really dirty. And then uh, to see him, you know, two years ago, fighting his way back, uh, gets signed to the Saints, works his way back, and then blows his Achilles in practice. Yeah. I, I felt so bad for him. Like, that is, you've worked all this way to get back in. And then, okay, right before your first game, bam, major non-contact injury. To see him, just to see him get back on the field. If he doesn't play again after this year, so be it. But I was really happy to see him back on the field and score a touchdown. Antonio Brown, not so much. Yeah, well, that uh, we'll we'll get to all the games at five o'clock. By the way, uh, but Falcons against Tom Brady again, blow a big lead. All right, so legitimate question: Should we just have the Falcons spot everybody seventeen points in the third quarter? Uh, is that actually a comeback or do you have to come back on the Falcons from a minimum of 21 points for it to be considered a comeback against the Falcons? Um, I, I think that, uh, at least they're entertaining because you kind of know when they get a big lead, Hey, this game's not over. I'll keep watching. There's that, right? That's a positive. I'm looking for all positive things today, by the way. Is that another organization? You just got to pour bleach all over the whole damn thing. Uh, I, I don't know, and I think they have a tough decision with because Matt Ryan would have some value uh, if if you were to move him. I think the 49ers would would pay a, a, a pretty steep price for him. I think the Colts might pay a steep price for him. Although apparently the Carson Wentz rumors are uh, hot and heavy to the Colts. I because, don't care if Matt Ryan's thirty five years old. I'm taking him over Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, with Wentz, Frank Reich had a lot of success with him, but you know, maybe the guy's broken now. And that that would be that could turn out to be not, not the best move, but uh, but if Matt Ryan, you could probably get you get a nice haul. Forty ers would love to have Matt Ryan. So if you do that, then you have to hit reset on a lot of stuff. I think Julio is is he's slowing down, and you've, but you've got some pieces to build there. But uh, that that's a bad situation, and, and it's funny because we don't talk about the the Cowboys as much, but you look at their situation. And, boy, even if they had Dak, I'm not sure they were going to win that many more games this year. Defense is terrible. Uh, their defense is just so awful, uh, even though they won. But it's – I think when you look at all these teams and, and who's the closest, um, I, I still believe the Falcons have the most talent, but and they don't really need a complete reset. But they need to purge some people like the Texans are going to do. Yeah, the, the 
the Falcons to me are the team that got to the top of the mountain, couldn't get over it, and then just aged very quickly. They dealt with yeah. a lot of injuries the next year. And they just continue to get older and older. They haven't been able to replenish the, the same level of talent. Uh, I think they stuck with the wrong coach too long. And they just they haven't been able to recapture that, that talent level that they had going to the Super Bowl. And I honestly, I think that game broke them. Oh, I think it did too. They were never quite the same after that. Plus, they, did, they didn't have uh, Kyle Shanahan running their offense. And they reverted back to what they were before that year, which was a team that couldn't score in the red zone. And would turn the ball over in the red zone. And that's what they've been every year that he hasn't been there, pretty much. It really hurt them that the following year, Devontae Freeman couldn't get going, got banged up a lot. Not having that big running game that they had the year they went to the Super Bowl, that, that crushed them. And then they had the injuries on the offensive line. You know, and Matthews always gets hurt. Protecting Matt Ryan became a major issue. And as Matt Ryan gets older and Julio gets older, Calvin Ridley's a really good receiver. But they, they don't seem to have enough pieces, especially in that division. They don't have enough pieces. To me, if, if you can't compete, and right now I don't think they can compete with the Saints and with the Bucks. if you can't compete, there's no reason to ride. You might as well just bust it down. All right, 713-780-ESPN. Also, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Kevin Green passed away today at the age of 58. Dude, Kevin Green was probably one of the more underrated players. He was a great pass rusher. He was, he was an MVP caliber player he was, uh, for a stretch. And, and, and I'm not exaggerating when I say he was a great pass rusher uh, who didn't get the, the love. He played for the Rams. He played for the, for the Panthers. He never got the, the, the love because he played at the same time as other just totally transcendent players. He was a great pass rusher, and and then he got into the whole professional wrestling foray, which he you know he fit the part, big, tall, huge guy with the long hair and everything. Uh, that's that's sad that he passed away so young. Yeah, I mean, I always hate it when people who are in my age range kick. That's, that's never a good sign. So, rest in peace, Kevin Green. All right, uh, next segment. Can we get into the college football playoff? And uh, at 5 o'clock, we'll go through all the other NFL games. We'll have Lance at 530. Uh, so, and at some point, we got to get into James Harden. We just have to. It's going to happen. Because uh, John Granado made some national news. And one of, one of the things he said makes absolutely no sense from the other team's perspective. But we'll figure that out. John Granado with the scoop. Take it, Woj! Hey, I, I believe I believe John. I, I I'm sure he got it from a very reliable source. I just don't know if I'm the other team. I want any part of the uh, one of the teams. We'll get to that. Don't go anywhere. It's a blitz on ESPN 97.5, This is the Blitz on ESPN 97.5.
You are listening to The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on The Blitz. Sorry, Twitchers, we were talking a little business there. You know, so every now and then, you know, there's things that we need to keep to ourselves. There's nothing... No. Yep, we can't hear you. Believe it or not. Why can you not hear me? I have the You've loudest been in broadcasting voice. for how long? Sixty-four years. We talk <laughs> into the microphone, not away from Zed microphone. I, I can pretty much talk anywhere, and the microphone should pick me up. If I could be in the doorway, the microphone will pick me up. Theoretically, but no, it was it was not picking you up. But no, it has nothing to do with the with the show. This is this is Gal Media business. How's that? Hey, so let's let's talk about the the football playoff. I know uh, uh, most people were angry that Notre Dame got in despite losing to Clemson, and it, I, I did. Did you save what I said on uh, Friday? Was it Friday or Thursday? Where I basically said it's going to be these four teams no matter what, and it's those. I four. think I did. Let me find it. That's all right. We don't need. To, I don't. I don't need to do the. I told you so. But, but I told you so. But I'm I'm curious what your thoughts on this because I I have a few. Um, honestly, I was with you on this idea of. For me, the only way Notre Dame wasn't getting in was if they got absolutely mollywopped by Clemson, and I feel like Clemson did them a favor because they didn't run up fifty five on them. Right, and maybe they could have, but it was look. This game was non competitive. This was as one sided a game as we were going to get in, in any uh, conference title game. Notre Dame does not belong on the same field with Clemson. So let's reward them and give them Alabama. <laughs> this, this wasn't about let's find the four best teams. This was about let's find the four biggest audiences. And Notre Dame has the biggest audience of any team. So that's why they're in. And their audience is going to get to watch Alabama absolutely beat them from pillar to post for 60 minutes in embarrassing fashion. It it shows you how, you know, when they beat Clemson, when Clemson had a play uh, without Trevor Lawrence and without about seven defensive starters, they were down 22 players the last time those two teams met earlier in the season, and they needed double overtime to beat them. Now that the team was mostly healthy, they were basically a JV squad going up against Clemson. They've got no business being in the CFP. This is uh, an ESPN writer had this pen perfectly. It's the CFP Invitational. And, hey, you've got a big audience, so we need your audience to come watch the semifinal game. We're going to let you be the sacrificial lamb for Alabama. I, I honestly, I was doing uh, David Gow was filling in for uh, Matt Peralt today, so I did a couple segments oh, with so him. Oh, the show was good then. <laughs> yeah, because David was there. Uh, don't like Matt, huh? Um, but we were talking about this a little bit, and I got to be honest, I don't think there was any way to get it right the way this season has been played out. And I know A&M fan is upset about it, about Notre Dame, but I would just say if I'm looking at it as objectively as possible, and keep in mind, I would have loved to have seen Aggie in there, but A&M had one loss and it was an ass kicking to Alabama. Notre Dame had one loss. It was an ass kicking to Clemson. 
Notre Dame's best win was Clemson. A&M's was Florida. To me, you can make a case that 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 team deserves to be in. Now, the the Ohio State thing, uh, again, you're going to take the Blue Blood Big Ten champion, even though if you watch that, if that's the only Ohio State game you've seen all year, that team ain't in the top eight. That was awful. No, and that's the only team that's playing minus 24 guys right now because of COVID. Right, right. And, uh, again, we're going to get to see if the Big Ten changes their own rules again because if they stick with their 21-day rule, that means all those guys that missed the Big Ten title game are going to miss the semifinal game uh, for, the, for the CFP. I have a feeling, miraculously, somehow, that rule is going to change, Fred, because isn't that what the Big Ten does now? They make rules and they say, nah, you know, we were just kidding. We're just going to do it this way. Well, but I, I don't have a problem with them changing the rules to benefit their conference um, and, and getting that team in there benefited them. So I, I didn't have a problem with that. To me, it was up to the selection committee to decide whether or not they belong. And, and somebody else saying, well, they should have just let eight teams in. And we'd be arguing over nine right now. Because what, Cincinnati was ninth. And, and I, I would be beating the table saying, how the hell do you leave these guys out and to, to put in these eight teams. So there's always going to be a bias with the committee. They've been this way from the beginning. They want, they want the big boy programs in the end. This is a year we didn't need four spots. It, 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 we could have just had Clemson, Alabama. And, no, and, and I agree again, with you on that. they're the two best teams. It's everybody else is a significant drop off. Uh, at the same time though, uh, I, how are you giving Notre Dame credit? for beating Clemson when they were missing 22 players. And then when Clemson is healthy, they got mollywopped. Like, I can't give them credit for beating a team's JV squad. I'm like, oh, well, you know, they beat the, the number two team. No, they didn't. They beat the backups for the number two team. And that's what the CFP is supposed to be about. The whole eye test, the human element. Yeah, they beat a team that was ranked, but that particular week, that whole team had COVID. They played half their actual starters. It can't carry the weight. Essentially, we're talking A&M over Florida or Notre Dame over North Carolina. That is a non-starter. Notre Dame doesn't belong there. But at the same time, one of the other things you mentioned about yeah, Cincinnati. But you, you can't A&M totally team. ignore the fact that they beat that Clemson team. Oh, absolutely you can. They, they were down 22 players, didn't have their starting quarterback, didn't have half their starting defense. Still gave up over 40 points and needed double overtime to win. When you play the team as, as normal, they get their butts kicked. Like, from, from the first minute of the game, they got their butts kicked. I'm sorry, I throw that whole first game against Clemson out. Yeah, it see, means it, nothing. Uh, this year, I don't think you can do that because everybody dealt with that. Every, every team dealt with, uh, go, go ask LSU about it. Every single team had to deal with that this year, so... Uh, if if you play the game, then whatever was on the field is what what counts, and you know it's still a pretty damn good Clemson team even without all those players. And and now their defense was that was the real problem in that game for for Clemson. They couldn't play defense, but uh, you still got to give them credit for that. And and North Carolina is not a bad win. No, but it's not a win over Florida. Well, I guess we'll find out because doesn't Aggie play North Carolina in their bowl game, in their meaningless bowl game? Let's assume that that game's going to go off. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's another thing that that I want to get to later in the show is all these bowl games. How, how many of them are actually going to like Army? Their game got canceled. Nine win Army team, and basically they're saying, "Hey, if somebody drops out, we'll we'll play any bowl." 
the, the entire Pac-12, we're not playing. Okay, yes, we're going to play this, you know, abbreviated season. Or we're not playing any bowl games. Man, what the hell is the Pac-12 doing? This is why the Pac-12 is a mess. They got a crappy TV contract. They got a crappy commissioner. They have no idea what the hell they're doing. We're not going to play. Okay, we are going to play. Nah, you know what? We're not. The bowl, you make money going to the bowl. Nah, we're not going to play in the bowl game. Nobody wants to play in a bowl game. So why did you play your six-game season to turn around and tell all your players, well, you're not going to get a bowl game? I'd be pissed if I was a player. I had to come uh, back unless, for half a season, no bowl game? Unless I'm a guy who's about to get drafted, in which case I'm sitting out. Especially, listen, we've seen we've seen the impact this thing has had. Miles Garrett has has come out and said he hadn't he hadn't been the same player since he had the COVID. Do you want to you want to take that chance? Do you want to go take a chance on getting hurt and get Jalen Smith? I don't. If I'm a, if I'm a top prospect, I don't need a bowl game. Well, I agree. With you. If, if I'm going to be a, a top uh, now playoffs if I'm different. drafted in the first two rounds, I'm probably sitting on a meaningless bowl game. Uh, the kid from Florida is going to sit out. Yeah, uh, they're bowl because they're not going to the CFB. So what am I? What am I playing for? I understand that. That guy's really good too. But uh, he's going to be a first round pick. He's the best tight end in the country. If uh, but if I've been playing in, in the Pac-12, and you know, you told me I lost my season, then you come back and you give me a half a season. I played five or six games, and then like you know, the big payoff for me, I get to go to a bowl game. No, you don't get to go to a bowl game. I'd want blood. And, and I understand why the head coach, uh, you know, Munkin at, at Army is like, you know, my kids played their season. You know, they won the, uh, what, the Commander-in-Chief Cup. They beat Navy. They beat Air Force. His kids, you know, he doesn't get five-star recruits. He's lucky he gets two-star recruits. They want to play a bowl game. And, and the whole conference just said, nah, we'll pass. Um, well, I think part of it is there, there's so much uh... – California influence over that conference and they don't they don't want to play there. By the way, they've already changed the the quarantine to seventeen days now. Which um but now I and I want to make it clear, if I were on the committee, I would have put A and M in over Notre Dame. I just understand why they did it. Uh I don't agree with it, but it was obvious for television purposes. The average fan is going to want to see yeah, that they're gonna want the the name brand and A and M's not that name brand that Notre Dame is. Or Ohio State, and it was going to come down to that all along. And and I, I just, yeah, is it fair? I don't know. I don't know if it's fair or not. I mean, we're we're talking about a, a playoff that's being decided by human beings. There's nothing about the CFP that's fair. Mm-hmm. It, otherwise, UCF, when they were 13 and 0, wouldn't have been ranked behind six two loss teams and three three loss teams. The G5 team is never ever ever getting in the CFP. They're, this is seven years now with the CFP. So 28 slots have been allocated for CFP games. Of those 28, 20 times that team has been Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma. 20 out of 28 is the same five teams. The problem is you know, those programs are like UCF. It was hard to make a case for them when they did it because to to be a power, to be a non power five and Cincinnati as much as I love Cincinnati this year they only got to play in conference and there you have to have a win over a power five early in the season or two the, the one team that I think you could have made a case for if they hadn't uh, choked was uh, when UH beat Oklahoma and Louisville in the same year with Lamar Jackson but then they lost the game 
Uh, they, they played three games in like 18 days and just the physical toll. And at one point, they didn't have any linebackers. Yeah, but that's, but that's what you have to do if you're going to be able to make a case. So, all right. We are going to uh, take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. It's a blitz on ESPN 97.5, 92.5. Stay up to date with the latest innovations hitting the city of Houston by visiting innovationmap.com or follow them on any of your social media platforms. Just search Innovation Map. 